0: with a text is a letter written to the believers who were in exile, um, something that the Jews were very familiar with, having been through the, the exile of Egypt, the exile of Babylon, and now these Jesus lovers are scattered again. I'm not going to go through the whole narrative as we've taken weeks and weeks to unload, but uh, i tell you why I think it's written by a woman. Because I feel—I like I mean, people say it's Paul. We don't know. It doesn't feel like a Pauline epistle. Some say, "Well, it's Barnabas. He is the kind of the son of encouragement, a very caring man. Could have been for sure. It could be Apollos. Apollos was more of a firebrand, uh, kind of a Greek convert. Don't think it was Apollos. But but when I read this, I tell you what I feel. I feel the affection of a mother. And uh, the German theologian. Uh, Arnold Hank I think. Arnack, something. Um, he was the one who espoused this theory. And the more I read it, the more... This is the picture I have when I read it. I have a picture of a mother on her knees. My granddaughter a Stu and Dana are living with us while they're doing up their house. And they got a two-year-old and a seven-month-old. And more than a few times, if they stub their toes or they destroy our plants or vomit on our floor. You know the normal kind of things that happens with kids um invariably the mom or grandmom kind of gets on their knees next to them and just offers affection it's okay it's okay we can fix this we we can do something about this and the visual image i have when i read this letter this 13 chapter letter is of a mother on her knees to this hurting limping scattered diaspora and the two things she says if i'm right is jesus is supreme and be steadfast that's the thread throughout jesus is supreme you're going to face other gods you're going to face other temples you're going to face other worship you're going to see idols and idolatry and persecution and martyrdom but please whatever the cost she says that she cups the face of a little child in her hands is remember jesus and remember it's time to stand firm be steadfast does that make sense to you so where we're landing tonight is the final chapter the final half of chapter 13 and any of you who know the content of this know we can't go verse by verse it will take us 20 years i said to meryl i could do a whole series just on hebrews 13 it's such an exquisite passage but what we're going to do tonight. It's just landed. So I want you to grab your Bibles with me if you don't mind, uh, or if it's on your phone, iPad, whatever, or you know it by heart. You, you, you've learned it like they did with the Torah all those years ago. And we have go to Hebrews 13 and I'm going to read the relevant pieces to you. Where am I? In Hebrews. Notice the affection. If I'm right. Notice the affection. We'll pick up in verse 6.
1: So we say with
0: confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Don't you, don't you hear a mother in that? And if you think I'm being too gender specific, I'm sorry, I'm an old guy. We think like that. What can mere mortals do to me? Premier leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The NIV says, Jesus Christ my dear son my dear daughter is the same he is the same yesterday he is the same today he is the same forever do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings boy are there strange teachings around today it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not by eating ceremonial foods which is of no benefit to those who do so we have an altar From which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat so this is very kind of jewishy speak we'll pick up in verse 12 for the sake of time and so jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy thank you for that song cater to make people holy through his own blood let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore can you see that affection jesus knows jesus understands we for here we do not have an enduring city but we're looking for the city that is to come through jesus therefore let us continually offer to god a sacrifice of praise the fruits of our the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name And do not forget to do good and share with others for with such sacrifices god is pleased have confidence in your leaders submit to their authority wow those are big words hmm Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those you must give an account. Do so so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. And again, forgive my haste. I'm going to go to verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, That he may equip you with everything good for doing his will and may work in us what is pleasing to him through jesus christ to whom be the glory forever and ever amen now last week he spoke
1: i asked the question is it possible that the overlining thread the idea
0: that the mother the writer the author is giving us a sense of trust 12 chapters 12 complex chapters to the non-jewish person is now landing and it's landing in this conversation i think of can i trust and we looked last week at the first few verses and they are scattered a little bit around can i trust community and can i trust marriage now i don't have time to even recap because we've got a beautiful body of content around two ideas today can i trust leadership and can i trust jesus now remember this is not written to you although it's sublimely relevant to you and me it was written in those that first century where people were being slaughtered for their faith i was thinking about it again this week imagine imagine all that you have to do is renounce your faith that's all and you will live you won't be tortured you won't be set on fire in, in nero's courts you won't be placed on uh, crosses upside down or right side up you won't be thrown into boiling oil You'll never stay in your house. Your kids will be loved. If you don't renounce your faith, they will kill your kids first. All that you have to do is, yeah, I don't know. That's all. Thank you. There's your house. There's your kids. Live happily ever after. This was the conversation facing these precious, precious people, not the trauma of living in Orange County. And I don't know, there's something pretty sublime here. Two things we're going to address tonight based on the text. Can I trust leadership? And can I trust Jesus? 1996 we moved here. From South Africa we'd lived an incredibly fun church for 13 years. 40 of us like, started in our house here in uh, Costa Mesa. 40 of us started together in Durban, South Africa. It was a church full of young people. We were young, 24, 21. Surfers and artists and painters and sculptors and songwriters and opera singers and uh, magazine editors it really was the most incredible church and in the height of it when i was 32 the spirit of god met with in hong kong and a long story for another time the lord said you will spend the rest of your days abroad and we honestly thought we would find a church in hong kong have a deep affection for the city so that our closest friends have planted one six years later we landed in l.a the accidental immigrant we were going to plant the church here in Costa Mesa 25 years ago 1996 but we ended up leading a broken Pentecostal church I tell the story for two reasons and I can take lots of time with it but for two reasons the first is that church had experienced three church splits at its height it was a church that Lakers players used to visit it was the church in the San Gabriel Valley I'm told uh, there were lines outside the doors on Sundays, people waiting to come in for the next service and the service after that. By the time we got there, I don't know, my love, 120, 200 people from thousands. More? 400, 500, whatever. From thousands to a few hundred. What happened? Well, amongst other things, there were three church splits. Some of us we only found out when we landed. The pastor, initially the founder, has been stepped step down because of questionable uh, moral behavior, and because of probable—they never dug into it—misuse of finances. So they just quietly sent him on sabbatical, and quietly he never came back.
1: Mama. Now, how many of you know that when that
0: happens, trust falls through the floor? Are you with me?
1: So we got here to
0: an, from an environment in which Meryl and I were trusted emphatically, people had seen our lives, many of us had, had, we dated our boyfriends, girlfriends at the same time. We got married at a similar time, we ended up having kids at a similar time, so there was this environment, and no one had any any pretense about who I was, they'd seen me my best and my worst. Now I come into a church context that had fallen through the floor and that ecology, the soil of the church was toxic. Every occasion was taken to undermine leadership. It was a completely foreign thing. More than once Mary and I looked at each other and thought what have we done? Why have we come here? And then secondly, God gave me a picture. I need pictures and they're normally around families. And the picture God gave me is that uh a little seven year old why seven i have no idea seven year old that was abused sexually molested an orphan if you will and god said i'm giving you this broken little girl but you are going to walk her down the aisle one day i never knew it would take 14 years i never knew i would go gray i never knew that i would go through two lawsuits and it started on the first sunday i finished preaching my first message and most people surprised i wasn't black The pastor from Africa. Of course he's black. Man walked up to me at the end of my message and he says, I'm leaving this church. And I thought, you don't even know me. He said, you remind me of a teacher I once had and I hated them. I'm leaving. See? No trust. So much has happened in the church, and if I speak today, I really want to speak as a kind of a, dare I be like Paul and say, father, mother. Because there are so many occasions, to, currently, in which you and I can completely mistrust leadership. It's dreadful, it's painful. I have known of the Mars Hill podcast by Christianity Today. Mark Driscoll's a friend, been at his home. Meryl and I had him for lunch when he came and visited here once. Not like bosom buddies, but we knew each other. But he went on a book tour. And I turned to Meryl and said, babe, it's the beginning of the end for him. There's something when we move from servant to celebrity that goes wrong. Because we were never meant to be celebrities. I have no problem with that. I never will be. But some of you might. Or you might follow someone online who is. And I want to say to you, danger, danger, danger. We were crafted to be like Jesus, servants of the Most High. And the only name that matters is His. Never mind. Never, never mind. And it was through, I, eventually, Meryl and I, they discussed it in a therapy practice. And we said, okay, we're going to listen to it. And my heart broke as I listened to the first. I'm not sure I have the emotional fortitude to watch the other eight. I think of Hillsong. I never knew the guy in New York, but the sexual uh, impropriety of the guy's uh, lens. I can't remember his name. It's not important. The absence of integrity of preaching. One of the churches I work with stood, I'm so proud of them, stood their youth pastor down because he preached a message of holiness from the pulpit and was sleeping with his girlfriend. The moment they heard they stepped him down for at least a year i just spent time with him recently how bold how courageous how godly how can god bless a church that's able to face their iniquity so beautifully and he stayed in the church he didn't run off somewhere he's taken his discipline he's marrying the girl and it looks like he's going to be fully restored into leadership uh manipulation overpowering uh, abuse misconduct i mean the list goes on and on so i fully understand that this is something that we hold very loosely the millennial mind is already a suspicious mind and trust is not something that runs to the top of the virtue pile i understand that and i don't blame you but is it possible that god the holy spirit can read stir our hearts to trust leadership let me take just a few moments and i really cannot exegete both passages there are two of them that deal with leadership we'll spend a little more time with the one we'll mention the other and then we'll move on because i want to talk about jesus Verses 7 through 9 in the Christian Standard Bible says, Remember your leaders who have spoken the word of God to you and carefully observe the outcome of their way of lives or consider the outcome of their way of lives that imitate their faith. Why remember? Remember your leaders. Can I suggest that, again, that's why it's like a mother moment for me. It's because there is an appeal to understand our humanity. Do you know how hard COVID was for all of us? Did it ever enter your mind that it was for me to but have it enter your mind that i got up in the pulpit sometimes out of sheer diligence and obligation to the call of god on my life not because i found jesus heard jesus uh, i had i none of those i st- stood up here because of the calling of god crying out in my inner soul while i preached grace upon grace O oh god because this frail fragile vessel cannot do this thing tonight yeah, good. And, and i think the mother's heart is remember your leaders who are just as fragile as you have sinned just like you i had a woman walk up to me one day and said please don't ever tell me you sin again she said because i can't cope with it i looked at her and i said madam the moment you think i don't sin we are in serious trouble now i don't know what runs to your mind that you think my sins are but i'm just as human as you amidst all of that i had a number of heart episodes that got me to the er that's not a What's the word I'm looking my love? Be kind of. Uh, pity, thank you. Thank you, sister. Are you a school teacher? Because you should be. <laughs> See, this is not that. This is what this person is saying. is persecution and martyrdom and, and hatred and torture and uncertainty. Please remember your leaders are as human as you. Now, now there is anointing on us, it's a mystery. Even our best definitions don't really do justice to it. We don't really understand what happens when the anointing of God comes on us. Something happens. I know when I give a talk when I was a school teacher or I was a rugby coach, I knew what happened then and I'm a motivational guy and kick their heads in and the guy would go in and punch. It was fabulous. There's no anointing to punch. That was just Chris the human motivating a bunch of 16-year-olds to go and fight the other school because we hated them. You understand what I'm saying? The anointing is different. The anointing is you where I'm aware of it. When I stand up here and I'm in the anointing, and I know God is using me as his messenger tonight, and this is very little of me, but it's very scary. Because I don't want to abuse and misuse it, misrepresent him in any way. I want to handle that anointing with great tenderness and sensitivity. The problem is, if you only see me this way, you think this is me but have coffee with Meryl. Mm -hmm. And she would tell you when I punched a hole in the door because I was so angry. She would tell you the night before we got married, partner, as a young man, the night before we got married, I hit the wall so hard I thought I would have a mental car, I mean a car over me in my day. Remember your leaders. When we remember them, I think there's a little more grace. it's a little more mercy. it's a little more understanding. I told you last Sunday night I feel quite hmm about my message. There was one particular part I was particularly passionate and front footed and and I had to watch it on Monday morning and if you ever watch yourself preach it's the worst punishment (laughs) ever. But I had to settle something in my heart. God were you in that or was that just a Chris rant and rave? Are you with me? Remember your leaders. Remember their humanity. Remember their stresses and struggles. Remember that those who bring the word of God to you, and I want to quote this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is not a platform for Crispina. This is a moment for the word of God to go out to eager, hungry souls. And therefore God says, you will be judged. You are being judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. There is a humility in this gospel, dear friends. Please don't go to a church. Especially with the trouble of online churches where you don't know his or her spouse where you don't know their good days and their bad days john Mark Homer, everyone listens to him meryl and i are friends we stayed with him two weeks ago and i can vouch for his character for his marriage and his kids we've been friends for over 10 years but you don't know that do you you don't know if he if he gets home and screams at tammy and the kids do you because the second piece here is imitate their faith. You will become like the leaders you choose. Start on Genesis. Each will produce after their own kind.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, you, you might not think of that. I was sitting with a group of pastors, church pastors on Thursday morning. I said, why do you guys hire in? It's the unequivocal disaster of the American church and it gets perpetuated. I love watching you. David and Nanny call of God on his life. But I stood on his toes, purposefully, because I wanted to see how he yelled See, if he couldn't handle the correction for me, there's a limp in his future walk with Jesus as a leader, because criticism is our traveling companion. Man, I'd love to think at the end of tonight's talk, you all go home and say, well, that Chris is amazing. That thing is amazing. That accent is so cool. The sneakers is amazing. I don't know what else. But... Of course I'd love that, but this story wonderful, but I'm not naive, because God the Holy Spirit is going to put a pebble in your shoe, he's going to irritate you, because he wants to bring about transformation and he might just use me. So I'm not naive that criticism is my traveling companion and has been for 43 years. But not only are we to remember our leaders, but we are to imitate their faith. Meryl and I carry a huge responsibility, especially in a young church like this, that you can imitate the faith we have for marriage. That's why I'm honest. If Meryl and I fight, I tell you, because I don't want you to think this is Ken and Bobby here. This is very flawed Chris married to very perfect Meryl. That's the way it is. See, so it's remember their humanity and then imitate their faith. And I want to say it again, Genesis chapter 1, each will produce after their own kind. You will become like we are as leaders. If we're generous, I, I was sitting with the Rock Harbor elders many years ago. The church was 6,000 people and they went away as an eldership team, invited me to come and speak to the elders, spend a few days with them. And one of the evenings, they looked at me almost like, you're a prophetic guy, Chris. Tell us, what is the church going to become? What's going to happen to the church? And I looked around the room of businessmen, and I said, you are. I said, I said, you are the future of the church. I said, Rock Harbor will never love more than you love, give more than you give. Rock Harbor will never have better marriages than your marriages. Rock Harbor will never be more committed than you are. And I spent about 20 minutes, and the room went silent. and choose your read as well you're in front of that's the promise of the text okay into this package comes the idea of striking the shepherd and the sheep scatter I'll tell you a story that broke my heart this week There's a young man, none of you know him. There's a young man I met when he was 12, and Marilyn and I fell in love with him, cute kid. Folks in ministry, and somehow over the years, we just kept parallel paths until eventually, at 19, I made him an elder. By 22 or 23, he was leading a church in Australia. I said to him, I texted him a few times recently, heard nothing, and um, I said, I keep wanting to mention this man, and I I said, eventually he called me back and said, I said, how are you? He said, I've got a story for you. He went on vacation, simple bullet points, he went on vacation, and his associate pastor took 50% of the church, all the wealthy and all the influential, and planted the church. didn't have the guts to do it when he was around took all the money people took all of the most influential people and he was left with with the rest they signed a and I'm not in any way saying he's without fault or flaw but they signed a deal with the landlord with half the church COVID hits money goes down people disappear like all and he can't pay the landlord asked the landlord to adjust the landlord. he said no i will sue you and he did the landlord sued him for 500 pounds. some of the people who were hurt by him got on the bandwagon and said we will testify against this man now this man is no saint but he's a man of integrity it got to a place and i'm fast forwarding it quickly because here's my point we're here to sit with this half a church that had stuck with him held with him And he had to say, we cannot continue anymore. We have to close down. Ladies and gentlemen, when you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter. Remember your leaders. Consider their way of life and imitate their faith. It's a sober, but a beautiful, beautiful exaltation. Many more things I would say from that. But i'm not going to now for the sake of time the second part of this leadership thing i'm not going to do because i'm out of time trusting your leaders trusting jesus i'm always curious by which aspect of the nature and character of god every author highlights you know, you have those who are radical and passionate and kind of the roaring lion Jesus. Alan Hirsch, my friend, has written a great book on Read Jesus and the different Jesuses that we have. You know, what is that movie? I Prefer the Baby Jesus? What's it? Yeah, that one. Say it loudly, sir. Exactly. Where they sit around the table and they discuss which jesus they like and he says, no i like the baby jesus you know the Gucci chicago google the baby no, that was, no i don't like I, I like the one that dies you know and they're debating this as if they have an option which looking at the photo album of jesus well oh, i like that one that one and that one but i don't like those and so i always love it when the author takes a moment and says now this is the jesus that i think is relevant into this space and I'll be brief I hope with these three expressions of Jesus the first is verse 8 Jesus the same yesterday today and forever the same now remember they've been martyred they've been persecuted they've been killed they scattered they leave all their dwellings they had to leave all their goods um, I looked at the Haitian refugees on our, on our southern border right now, 30,000 of them arriving, some with little plastic packets, some with uh, a kind of a, a luggage, and that's all they've had. Now, Haitians, I can still understand because it's a very poor country, many of you know, but these Afghan people who have walked, and have left everything. And I read many of the testimonies. And so, this is what happened to these Jewish Jesus lovers. They literally left overnight, leaving everything alone. And the mother cups them in the palm of her hand and she says, now remember this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that's cute for us, isn't it? But to the Jewish here, it means way more than that. Because it's the same song and sound that was told around the dining room table, that was told around the fireplace. It was told by the rabbis when they spoke uh, with with his apprentices. It was the same idea. Remember when. They kept going back. Psalm 55, 19. God who is enthroned from of, of old, who does not change malachi i the lord do not change they understood that Then not we do Acts, and then we see peter getting up and preaching and he refers to joel remember when Joel said this stephen on the first uh, mark to the moment he says remember abraham now my point i'm making here folks is that there is such beauty in the knowledge i remember yeah,
1: good
0: i remember I went to the Holocaust museum in Jerusalem many years ago and when we walked in, it wasn't we will remember, it was lest we forget, brutal experience I was telling you, but deep in the cry of the Jewish heart was this notion of I remember, I remember, I remember and mothers would get on their knees with little David, with little Sarah, remember Moses, remember david remember big king david remember david remember moses in exile remember babylon remember nehemiah remember 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 because this god is exactly the same god going forward is that god is this god is the then god and, and folks I, I feel like we need to build altars in which we express gratitude for the high moments that god does what only god can do I have the privilege of telling those stories you don't and i want to just ask you quite simply build altars of gratitude and make note of those times where god came through where He answered prayers when you were sick and he healed you when you had no money and uh, somehow god sovereignly provided build altars there so that the jesus who was then is the jesus who was now when i was a little college student and i would take a carload of people into durban probably 20 miles and I would pay for it because no one else had money. And I remember getting into my car one day. I was 19 years old. And we literally looked at my gas tank and it wasn't empty. And I sat there and said, Jesus, I have no money. But I do not want to miss worship tonight. And I said, right, we're going to go for it. And I opened my then cassette holder. Remember good old days when we had those things? And there was five grand, five dollars, let's say. And it was enough to get gas, to get to the church, and to get back. That is an altar for me. Many years later, where I need hundreds of thousands of dollars. For different projects and initiatives i go back to the god who is the five dollar god is now the god who can be the fifty thousand dollar god which we needed to get this church up the road who is a god who is five hundred thousand with the work we're doing in the nations you build an altar around a memory and then you live and you feed off that the same jesus yesterday is the same jesus today is the same jesus tomorrow isn't that beautiful okay the God who is the same, but he's the suffering God. Oscar said, Christianity is the only religion where God bears the scars of evil. Can I just kind of apologize for a moment? I was, uh, we went to see friends last night, stayed over came back this morning. I was kind of lying a bit, you know I get up really early in the morning and I was kind of lying a bit about 4 o'clock this morning, just mulling over the message. And um, I was reminded of um what was i reminded of it was a really important thing yeah and then i was reminded that most of you have been schooled through the seeker sensitive world most of you if you went to a big church probably it was seeker sensitive the primary idea was a little bit like god can make you happy god can fulfill your dreams you know if you just follow these principles you can have a super sexy marriage or you can have this incredible bank account and so you were schooled under this idea that God really is your valet who's going to meet all your needs and answer all your prayers. Well, God's not compelled by our pop theology. So I meet Todd Proctor, who was then the leader of Rock Harbor when it was 6,000, many years ago. And he said to me, Chris, my generation wants permission to lament. I said, what do you mean? We can't boom this. We just get out there and run at the mountain. And he said, no, because all the promises made to us, we found to be untrue. They weren't Bible promises. They were promises of humans who wanted to let us think God is there to make me happy and God is there to fulfill my dreams. And I want to tell you, God's committed to neither of them. God's not committed to your happiness and God's not committed to your dreams. God's committed to your suffering. And we need a far weightier theology of suffering that's deeper, more substantive. That breaks our heart as we wrestle for suffering. Because when suffering comes, it should never surprise us. But we will be made perfect even as He was through suffering. I told you the story of me losing my, you know, blowing my fuse and punching holes and whatever. Meryl's right to say that was a long time ago, it was. I don't do that anymore. Because suffering broke the back of a very angry young man. And I love Jesus more now than ever before, but it would not have happened in a come to Jesus and be happy, come to Jesus and you'll meet your dreams. It was the day I realized. Best description of Christianity was I die daily. Every day. Every day. Every day. And he, isn't that interesting? The writer says this, and he suffered outside the city gates. Why? Because they were outside of the city gates. When we first came here, I'm trying to land and I do it so badly. <laughs> But there were times I longed for South Africa, I'd drive the freeways and feel so unfamiliar. Nothing felt familiar, nothing. I just wanted to see something that felt South African. I wanted to hear an accent or the smell of food, you know, a burgo's roll. You don't even know what that is. You sinners. You you you, you don't know any of those things. And put pop. You know, and, and uh, poikikos. You don't know any of those things. How have you dared to think you'll be happy without ever tasting those things? But you see, I had to die outside of the city gates. God's deepest, most profound dealings in my life was outside of the city gates when I learned to suffer just like Jesus and find joy and contentment in that moment. Because we only ever suffer... For His glory, we only ever suffer for His good pleasure. We only ever suffer to complete His will. Let suffer we will. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is suffered outside of the city gates. And I close with this: Jesus is the great shepherd i never understood shepherds in the Bible because I didn't really see them. I saw them in Israel a little bit, but I'm going to read to you as I land. What do you think those Jewish hearers had? They were sitting in these house churches, probably two o'clock in the morning, lights dim, windows blotted out. They weren't allowed to, they were illegal. They're missing sleep missing food kids are sleeping on the floor next to them it's not just a thing as a babysitter and all of this is happening and the author says jesus is the great shepherd what do you think they heard anyone it's not a trick question every <laughs> uh sorry mother yeah every young jewish person would know this The Lord is my shepherd. they broken hearted, isolated, alienated, lonely, wondering if it's worth it. And in their mind, I'm guessing, jumps this incredible poem. Written to music. The Lord is my shepherd. And I forgive my imagination, but I preach with it. I can only imagine that the young man sitting in the corner, he's lost everything, his family has died, the letter is written, and the word Great Shepherd is heard, and it suddenly springs to his mind when he was seven, and he sat with the rabbi, and the I spoke to him and said, young man, always pray the, this Great Shepherd passage. Every day when you wake up, I wish I could do a good Jewish accent, but I'd butcher it badly. every day when you get out of bed and your eyes open, young man remember to say this out loud the lord is my shepherd i shall not want i shall lack nothing now remember Mm -hmm. that and he's sitting 25 years old in the corner, tears streaming down his face he's lost everything and the mother comes and cups his face and says remember this the lord is my shepherd i will lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures these are not green pastures these are wilderness places no life this is no palm springs this is desert i can taste the grit in my mouth he leads me besides quiet waters every day young man when you wake up you say that out loud he will lead me besides quiet orders, he refreshes my soul and little rachel in the corner here has been abused it's been a brutal time she too has lost her family she feels incredibly nice very vulnerable as a young 13 year old girl and she's sitting there and she hears the words of the rabbi poet who wrote this David wrote, and then she gets it into her oh God, his tears stream down her face. This has been so hard. I don't know if I can carry on doing this, but he refreshes my soul. I need you to refresh my soul. My soul is full of anxiety and hurt and fear. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake, not for mine, not my dreams, my happiness, for his name sake we spend an incredible amount of energy I almost just land as a father we spend an incredible amount of energy fighting God because we just won't bow to his good nation you know I'm sorry I've got so many stories there was a beautiful girl in our church in the Southlands single Megan always was single. Always was curious for me. Why on earth is Megan single? She's educated, she's eloquent, she's gorgeous, she loves Jesus. Got saved a little bit later in her 20s, I think, no? in our community. And, uh, man, I just didn't get it, you know. And I prayed with her and said, Next week, she said, God's going to send me a husband. And I took a team as I'm doing next year. To South Africa to go and do some things. and Megan McRoy, he was 40, she was 38. And out in Huntington Beach at that big hotel that I can't remember the name of, I did this wedding. Someone from the church I used to lead, marrying someone from the church I currently lead. A 40 year old and a 30 year old. Meryl will see that her uh, would be in South Africa in a couple of weeks' time. She's it's here. It's here promises it's in our impatience that yeah, we can't wait for our Megan moment Thank God I'm moving on who's going to marry me oh Mr. Wright Mr. Wright that's who's going to marry you shall I walk through the valley to the shadow of death I will fear no evil for now i with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me when I went through my dark night of the soul where I did not want to get out of bed that's just not me I'm an optimist I bound out of bed in the morning I exhaust Meryl she's trying to wake up and I've got 10 new ideas but not then it was the dark night of the soul honestly will tell you. I used to lie on my bed and weep and read though I walk To the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They will comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy. Will follow me all the days of my life. But I will dwell. In the house of the Lord. Forever. Young man in the corner. You say that every day. Young girl in the corner. Living with fear and anxiety. What will happen to me? You say that every morning because you will find you can trust him who loves you more than you can imagine. No, he's not committed to your dreams or happiness, but yes, he's committed to something way higher, something way more transcendent that will last forever. I think that's how Priscilla ended this book. You can trust leaders. And you can trust Jesus, who is always the same, who suffered outside of the city gates, and He's the great Shepherd. The Lord is my Shepherd; I shall lack
1: nothing. Can we pray together?
0: Yeah. Would you put your hands open on your on your
1: lap, if you don't mind?
0: My shepherd, I shall not want. O oh, great shepherd, for those lambs who have stumbled and stuttered and broken their legs and cut themselves against the thorns and the thrush, who have been chased by wolves, whose coats are dirty from hiding behind thickets. We open our hands because we dearly want to trust you the good shepherd one more time we can't make sense of our lives right now it's not even simple but you are my shepherd and i shall lack nothing shannon so beautifully exhorted us that the thing god loves most is faith it's because i say that even when i don't feel it even when I can't carry it. with the beauty of that truth nestle itself as we build altars of gratitude because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? As we come to terms as we live, live our life outside of the city gates, but you are our shepherd. I'm going to give you a moment's silence and allow that truth to percolate its way into your heart.